Merry Christmas. This is a just over two week season of grace that we began with the celebration of Christmas. We continue today with this feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Hopefully you are praying that Jesus be reborn in you and in us in this world through the grace of the Christmas season. The Feast of the Holy Family gives us some very concrete images of the birth and the growth of the Son of God in this world. If you can just enter into this reality and consider what are some truths that God reveals this week through the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, hopefully that means we'll be cooperating with the grace of how Jesus may be born and reborn in us and in our families. I will give you three, what a shock, three big truths that jump out to me from the Holy Family that really do help me clarify about clarify how Jesus might want to be reborn in us. When you reflect on the Holy Family in any community on this planet, and certainly for many of us in this community, when you open yourself to some of the truths that God reveals through the reality of the Holy Family, it is very natural for a lot of us to then close down because many of these truths we have chosen not to live or other people, very importantly, have chosen not to live and this has affected us. When I reflect on what a holy family is possibly meant to be by God, I can become angry or hurt or frustrated or guilty about how I have chosen to live my life and how other people have. This is Christmas. This is about a savior who wants to be born or reborn in all of us. A savior comes to save. He comes to enter into my limitations and my sin to lead me to God. So don't be afraid of truths about the Holy Family that may not have been real in your life. And remember, Christmas is about the Savior coming for the entire world, not just about me, not just about you. Our fundamental vocation as Christians is to share the truth of Christ with other people. So if there are truths about the Holy Family that make me uncomfortable, fine, I'm uncomfortable. I am meant to share these truths with this world and most definitely with the children of Lawrence, Massachusetts. So three big ideas, three big truths. When God chooses to bring his eternal son into this world to become a human being and our savior, God has a plan from the very beginning what God's plan unfolds to be is compellingly interesting because it's God's truth. God can have his eternal son raised as a human being, grow up as a human being in any setting that God wants, particularly with the limitations of family and the limitations of how women are treated in the time and place in which Jesus are raised. It's very realistic that God could choose a variety of settings for the growth of his child. Actually, in the first reading, we see a holy woman, Hannah, this is about a thousand years before Christ, whose son Samuel, she knows because she hasn't been able to have children, she prays to God that her child, if her child is, if she can have a child rather, she will bring this child to be raised in the temple in Shiloh. She'll offer her child literally to God in case you get any thoughts. That policy has been discontinued. She sincerely believes 
that it will be best for her son Samuel to grow up in the temple. A person could say, I think if the Son of God were to come to this world, given all the sinfulness of the world, it would be great if that child were able to grow up in a commune of people who are really trying to pursue God. You can have all different settings. The fact is, the truth is, that when God brings God's Son into this world, God chooses to have that child raised to grow in the relationship of a man and a woman who are united in marriage. And remember, this is an unconventional man and woman. The father of this child is the Holy Spirit of God. Mary and Joseph have every reason not to come together in marriage. The reason they come together is because it's God's will. God tells Joseph, this is what Joseph is to do. God gives Joseph the naming of this child. He really becomes his father, his foster father. This is the truth. Our faith is that children who grow up in many different settings, many different love settings, are ideally meant to be raised by one man and one woman united in marriage. Our faith is that this is revealed to us by the Holy Family. This is the setting in which children are meant to come to know the truth of God, the truth of human relations, the truth of Jesus Christ. Children are raised in many different settings. It doesn't mean that another kind of setting is ungodly. We have so many children. The majority of children in this city are raised outside of the marriage of one man and one woman. We know and we celebrate more than most communities how God works in a variety of settings, but that does not take away the truth. The fact that I have adopted a child and this is the most beautiful family setting that this child could possibly experience does, in, given the circumstances of life, does not mean that that truth about the family goes away any more than the rest of our limitations. I cannot, what, one thing I celebrate about St. Patrick Parish more than anything else is the holy women in this community who are single moms, who are raising their children in God and have absolutely no trouble teaching their children, I believe God's plan for you is something beyond just what I've experienced. So I invite you to consider that. If I or if we as Christians denied our children particularly that truth, we would not love those children. Number two, obviously, and we know this better than most communities, just because one man and one woman come together in marriage does not mean it's going to be a holy family. Very interesting to me that the only scriptural account we have about the growing up of Jesus beyond the infancy narratives, the only one, is what we just heard in that passage from Luke, when Jesus is 12 years old. Of all the things that God could pass on to us through the inspired scripture, God passes on to us the Holy Family on pilgrimage. A pilgrimage in all different religious traditions is when people make the choice to go on a journey together to honor God, to grow together in God, and to grow in godly relations. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, actually in the first reading, Hannah and her husband are on pilgrimage to Shiloh. 
In the gospel reading we just heard, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph are on pilgrimage for the Passover to Jerusalem. And it actually says they choose to do this every year. That's not mandatory for the wife and the children in Jewish tradition. They choose to be on pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is by nature difficult. It involves putting out extra energy. It involves patience and dealing with other people. It involves changing. It involves being very open to we are trying to travel in God. We're trying to grow in God. And we hope as a result of what we're doing that we're going to know God better. We're going to be holier people. And we're as a result going to be God's agents more actively in this world. That's what every Christian family is meant to be liberated to understand. With all the hassles of my family's life, with all the troubles of my life, with all of my family's limitations, we can understand one another for real, day by day, as people who are on a permanent pilgrimage to God. We in my family are working hard to understand ourselves this way. That's why we make the choices that we do. That's why we don't do things that most or many other people do. That's why we prioritize this or that action or reflection. We are a group of people trying to grow as a holy family on pilgrimage. That is a very liberating reality. Number three, in that one passage we have about Jesus, Mary, and Joseph's holy family experience, you would think if you were making this up, you would say they were sitting around a table, sharing a meal, sharing God's truth, celebrating how they are growing together, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. That's what often in secular societies, when people are trying to honor folks they think are great leaders, they make up legends and myths about the early lives of their great leaders. This is not a legend, and this is not a myth. This is very realistic. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph make this very good pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They are living as a holy family, and then things go very much not as expected. They are returning to Nazareth. Jesus stays behind in Jerusalem, unbeknownst to his parents. You would think a good kid would mention to his parents, I'm sticking around. He does not tell his parents, apparently, what he's doing. They look for him in this group of people who are on pilgrimage. Everybody's on pilgrimage. These are very good holy people. They look for him for a day, and they can't find him. This is not fun. They travel back to Jerusalem, going against the current of people leaving from the Passover celebration. This is not easy. If you go to Jerusalem today, you're going up, and now they're going up by themselves, and it is not necessarily a safe place to be traveling. They go, and for how long do they look for Jesus? Three days. You want to look for your kid in Lawrence for three days? Not enjoyable. In Jerusalem, which is a foreign place, not a foreign place in terms of nationality, it's a city in which they don't live. They don't know Jerusalem. So just imagine three days. They finally find him in the temple, and he is sitting. I hope parents can relate to this. You're looking for your kid for four days. You are walking, marching, traveling. And what's the kid doing? Sitting, not even washing the dishes. The kid is sitting among the teachers, Jesus, 
asking questions and people are astonished at what's going on because he's got this wisdom. Mary and Joseph go and Mary's the mother of God, the Virgin Mary, a sinless person. And she says, Jesus, this is so beautiful. You are here in the temple. Of course you're here in the temple. This is just wonderful. We're the holy family. It is wonderful to be the holy family. Son, why have you done this to us? Have you ever said this to your kid? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. They do not understand Jesus's choice at this moment. The Holy Family, the parents, do not understand their child at this moment. He says to them, why were you looking for me? Imagine that's what your kid says after you've been trying to find him in a foreign place for four days after all of this hassle. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Just because you're a holy family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph doesn't mean that this is necessarily easy at any moment. Why is it that I think I should understand my child all the time or at any given time? Why is it that I think that my parents should get me at any given moment? And by the way, I am not Mary or Joseph, and you are not Jesus. Being a holy family, the holy family, is not about being perfect, it's about growing in God. The key message to me in that passage is, given all of this reality, they choose together to go back to Nazareth. Jesus chooses to be a good son. He's obedient to his parents. They choose to be good parents. They raise Jesus. And the scripture says Mary keeps these things in her heart. These things matter. She doesn't have to understand everything at this moment. She holds on to what's happening at the core of her being, where God is. And Jesus grows in wisdom and in favor before God and man. It's the whole point of the Holy Family, that the Son of God will grow in wisdom and in favor with God and with other people. That's what the Holy Family is. That's what any Holy Family can be. And this can grow through the grace of Christmas. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.